You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode coming to you from, I guess, the Tulsa area today. Uh, Betty Endicott is on the podcast with me to talk about, I guess, your farm. Uh, Pecans and berries and maybe some other things we're going to get into, but thanks for joining me on the podcast. Great. We're glad to be here today, or I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So with with the farm and stuff, obviously, this is kind of a made in Oklahoma podcast that we're doing and just the, the stuff that you guys sell um is this kind of farm that you guys have had from from family generational kind of farm no it's actually new both my husband and i um tim as my husband grew up in the tulsa area in the midtown tulsa mm-hmm. neither of us come from a farming background at all and um, my husband then went on to get his degree in horticulture and that's really what started our journey into farming as he really had a passion for, for trees and became a certified arborist and owning a pecan farm was really one of his passions. And that's what led us to eventually 15 years ago, buy our property mm-hmm. out. That's about 30 minutes South of Tulsa between Tulsa and Altmulgee. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so growing up, were you guys born and raised in the Tulsa area then? Yes. So both from Midtown Tulsa, um, Tulsa area, and both attended Edison High School and then went on to Oklahoma State University is where we both graduated from. All right. Go Pokes. That's me more in marketing. And I have more of a background in marketing and sales where he is more the science side with a degree in horticulture. He's the dirty thumb side and you're the marketing Exactly. Exactly. I'm on the same side as you. I'm terrible at doing anything to do with agriculture. So it makes a good team, right? A good balance. Yeah. So I guess why was his kind of dream, you know, to, to do, to have a pecan farm? Where does that come from? I think it really just came from his interest. One, in general, into trees and farming. He, he wanted to to live on a farm and land. And he'd learned a lot about the pecan industry while he was at OSU Mm -hmm. and just saw an interest there. So initially we, we bought the 35 acres to create that pecan farm, which in the scale of pecan farms, it's relatively small, Mm -hmm. around 20 acres, 15 to 20 acres planted pecans, which for Oklahoma is a small pecan farm. Yeah. And then we were, we were looking and we were discussing other options for the farm, probably a couple years into living on the property and trying to decide what would be an offsetting crop. You know, the pecans are a fall crop where you harvest them in the fall. So we were looking for a crop that would sustain the other season or the, the offsetting season. So we started visiting some farms in the Oklahoma area and looking at some other specialty crops. And I had, it was, I had this idea to let's go to a blueberry farm. It sounds fun. You know, we were in our early thirties without any kids. And so we went berry picking one day and started visiting some of the farms 
And, you know, I was a little naive to the process of planting, you know, acres of blueberries thinking you just put them in the ground, they grow. And we came back with the idea and did some of the calculations on it and decided to move forward planting the blueberries and the blackberries to, to have this you pick farm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that makes sense, right? If you go, it's only, a, you know, you start with pecans, it's only a full, can't get a full crop. You need to do something, right? You need to take right. that time. And especially if you, you know, you, the land doesn't take care of itself, right? It requires maintenance and effort and money. And, you know, any, you speak to anyone in farming and they're like, Oh, it's not, you know, it's not cheap. Is it to be a farmer? No, it's not, it's not cheap. Um, it's really the reward that you get out of it. So yeah. 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 And obviously, you know, you and your husband are working as well. Like, you know, you have a corporate job that you work full time and Tim obviously has his horticulture tree business as well. Right. So his horticulture, he has a tree and landscape business called Indicata Horticulture. And it's been a good you know, balance as well because he has a lot of the equipment and the manpower to when they're maybe a little slower to compensate and do some of the farm work and balance that as well yeah. and the two businesses. And then, you know, we have this steady income as well from, from both of those jobs where farming isn't our primary, not to say that it won't be at some point, right? but um, at this point we've been able to maybe have a little bit less stress than some farmers since it's not our primary source of income. Yeah. It helps to have that like, you know, less risk, right? Cause you're not worried right. about the weather too much or the storms that we've had or the ice. I mean, freezing right. cold temperatures that we've had that could ruin crop or whatever like it's we definitely still worry about it and there is a financial loss and a, more than anything a disappointment for the work you know that has been put in yeah. to get to this point when we ha do have impacts from the weather primarily or from creatures you know of nature right yeah so so the pecan stuff uh are you selling that kind of like online are you selling it like nationwide like how how, how is that working out? a little of both yes yeah, so we have our pecans we we harvest them and then have them commercially shelled and we package them in our packaging um, facility. So we package them and we sell them mostly direct to the consumer. We do that both online and then we do it also just to our customers that come out to the farm, whether it's in the summer, but most of those have built relationships with us where they order them online and then we deliver them to them in the Tulsa area or we ship nationwide as well. Yeah. So the pecans have been a great, the pecans and berries have really gone hand in hand to have a good customer base. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's obviously there, there is a lot of different types of pecans, right? And berries too, right? I guess there's not, I mean, obviously a lot of types of berries. I love fruit, so I will eat anything. <laughs> you, know, when I, you know, when you go to like a smoothie place or you go to ice cream place, I, I'm like the guy who goes for the berry, whatever it is. Uh, just because I'm a huge fan of fruit. That's what you like. Yeah, so we have a couple different varieties of pecans. So we, you know, on our property, there was already a lot of native pecan trees. So we started out by improving those and, you know, making them where they were a viable, have a viable product, you know, after years of not really be, being neglected or not being used for production. So we have both native pecans and then we also have a variety of an, an improved variety or a paper shell variety, as people call it, of the Kansas pecan variety is our primary one. And that's the, you know, the really pretty, um, pretty pecan that people like to use, you know, and create candies out of and stuff. But a lot of people in Oklahoma especially prefer the natives. They're a smaller one, but they do have a really strong pecan flavor since their oil content is high. Mm -hmm. So we have those two things going on with the pecans. Um, then with the blueberries, we have had a lot of trial and error, I would say, and we've 
we probably have between seven and nine varieties, but our field's compromised of primarily a variety called Rika, which is a blueberry, a northern high bush variety. Mm -hmm. And also a, a legacy is another one, which is more of a hybrid blueberry. And, you know, until we got into the blueberry world, and I didn't really know that there were so many different varieties of blueberries that actually have their own distinct flavor and size and color. You often just go to the store and they're selling blueberries, you know, so, so that's been interesting to learn and really know, and our customers have become accustomed and know what parts of the field they like to pick in and what varieties, because they all do taste slightly different depending on what type they are. And the same goes for the blackberries. We have three or four different types of varieties and they are, they're all thornless with the Natchez and Washita. They're all, um, they're all thornless varieties of blackberries. So it's not your grandma's blackberry picking where you're digging through all the thorns trying to get to the berries. Yeah. So it's, it's very nice to be out there with the family and the little ones and not have to worry about them getting pricked by thorns and stuff. Exactly. You know, it's a very pleasant experience, I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. I guess, were you, uh, growing up then, do you have, uh, like, like, were you baking as a kid? Like, do you use any of these berries in baking or was that kind of developed as you had the berry stuff? No. So I, I would say, you know, baking probably isn't, or cooking in general, isn't my husband or my strong suit. And so we really don't get into that side of it. You know, we've been fortunate enough to most years have all of our berries picked by people coming to the farm and getting to enjoy that experience and having the berries picked. So we really have stayed away from the cooking side. I mean, we use them throughout the years and, you know, normal amount of cooking and baking pecan pie for Thanksgiving or what it might be. But we've really stayed out of that that side of it, of using them. But we have had the chance to collaborate with different industries in the Tulsa area. Uh, a few example, we've collaborated several years now with a brewery in Tulsa, American Solera, that makes a lot of fruit-based beers and sours. Yeah. So they have used our berries for them or Rose Rock Micro Creamery has often used our blueberries for their ice cream. So we love working in collaboration with different local places to to use our pecans or our blueberries. Um, Cherry Street Coffee House has bought our pecans to use in their baking goods before. So that's that's where the real fun comes into me more than being in the kitchen myself. Right. And you get to hopefully get, you know, get invited to taste test, you know, the beers, the ice cream. and exactly. the, I mean, exactly. It's the best part of it, right? It's the best part without having to do the work. Yeah. But I know, I do know our customers enjoy making, you know, a lot of them have their own traditions when they come out to the farm, they're picking every year so they can go make this special t- dessert, you know, with their kids or with their grandkids and kind of make it a family tradition like right. that. Yeah. Uh, when is, I guess, picking season? So it varies a little bit, but we're hoping this year to open the first weekend in June. So around June 5th, as you know, the weather's been a little bit cooler this year, which is a little bit slower to ripen. Mm -hmm. We're planning. So June is our primary month for berry picking. Sometimes it creeps into mid July, but June, the weeks in June are our solid through the 4th of July. I always tell people a good rule of thumb in the berry business in Oklahoma is that most of the farms open around Memorial Day weekend and they close 4th of July or the week after, you yeah. know, around that area. So just to keep it in people's sure. head. Yeah, and they're picked out by by 4th of July. By around then, you know, or the couple of weeks following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
well, I guess for people listening, what were the hours then for, for picking and then where can they find that information? Sure. The best place is to either follow us on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. at Endicott Farms or Endicott Farms OK on Instagram mm-hmm. or to our website, which is indigotfarms.com. And that's the best place. And for most farms, that's the best place to find out up to date information. I would say social media is probably the direction because um, our times were normally open. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like at least seven to noon. Sometimes our hours are extended if we have, you know, more berries than anticipated. And then Saturday, Saturdays from seven to two. But we try to get in that peak area four or five days open. And a lot of times we'll throw an evening in there for evening picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll find with our farm and others, you know, times can vary a lot depending on do we have a lot of berries available that week or have they gotten picked through a little bit? Yeah, but, that's um, exciting though. I mean, it's probably chaotic and exciting at the same time for you, right? That that month or that that not a month, but like that that two that six weeks. It's really chaotic, but it's also one of our. It's that strange balance between you know you're going to be really busy and it's going to be chaotic, but it's also such a fun time because you get to see one. Our friends and family are immensely supportive, so we get to spend a lot of times with our friends and family that come out and pick, or our parents help us on the farm. But the second part is, you know, we really have built friendships over the years with a lot of customers that we see every year and getting to see their kids grow up or people enjoy the farm and all the hard work that we put into it throughout the year, really being recognized. You know, I tell people half of it is in the berry picking and then half of it is just the experience for people to be doing something hands-on with their family, spending time together, you know, away from technology and even though we're that so close to town, but just getting away for an hour or two, getting to have that experience and time together is is what's rewarding to watch people see. Right. Yeah, that social interaction and being outside now uh, after being cooped up inside for a year or 15 months or whatever it is, like I'm sure they're craving just to, you know, any yeah. excuse to go out and have fun. And then, like you said, it's a whole family experience. You know, they pick the berries and then they're going to go home and possibly cook with their mother's going to cook with their daughters or their grandparents and then it it doesn't stop at the farm does it you know they take it home and you know they 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 just keep going which they is- enjoy them or they share the berries with the neighbor you know it's a lot of that going on or share them with a friend you know an elderly friend or something so mm. it's really just a, a really cool environment that is really laid laid back you know and really allows us to engage with the community yeah mm. and then i guess you kind of back to work and with the pecans and wait till the fall until it's that season then yeah so luckily we're almost out of pecans we'll probably sell our we you know we cold store them and freeze them and whatever we have left you know we continue to sell throughout the year and we'll sell them during um, our berry season and then we'll just start that process again in october november of starting to harvest pecans but as you know farming is a year-long cycle for sure that's definitely something i've learned as far between irrigate you know maintaining irrigation keeping everything clean you know pest control a little bit of everything goes into it on a daily basis for sure right like with you both you know like i said you're both working your normal jobs right you come home after after work and it's okay it's probably quick dinner and then we've got stuff to do you know right in some ways i always you know the winter time we're all inside sooner in the night this time of year, you know, it's pretty much working until the sun goes down. Yeah. But you know, we have three children, all under 10 years old and younger, and they, they really love working on the farm and love to help out d- during, while people are visiting and then also 
they love to be there helping with chores and, yeah. you know, earning some pocket money and just being a part of the experience, I think, right. you know, has also been a really rewarding thing to raise our kids in that environment. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause you get to show them like the value of business, hard work, especially with crops and growth, right? Like I'm going to put all this effort in now. We're not going to see a result for a while, but you know, what great lessons to teach your kids. And now it sounds like they're, they kind of passed the babysitting, like the really baby young age right. you can give them a real experience and they can learn while doing, you know, while working and helping out and learn on the job, I guess. Yeah. We planted the blueberries in 2010 when I was pregnant with my oldest mm-hmm. and, you know, we've gotten to grow, see them grow up just walking out and picking berries, you know, when, when we're in yeah. season, just toddling out there, walking out there and eating as many berries as they want and and enjoying the farm. So it's definitely been a great experience in that aspect. That's so awesome. So what about, I guess, plans for the future? Do you, you know, you mentioned earlier, like it would be nice to not work a corporate job, right? And do this full time and be like totally fine. Um, But I guess what is kind of like long-term plans, like building, I guess, towards doing this as maybe full time or just as a retirement you know, nest egg to have, like, well, where do you guys see it going? Sure. I mean, I think we've always seen it as an, an opportunity, but one thing we decided a few years ago before we expand to other crops, cause we've seen other farms do this, let's get really good at what we're doing, you know, and start to see where, how much can you, can you build that business and get really become experts at growing blueberries and blackberries and pecans before we start to spread ourselves too thin Mm-hmm. And with time and expertise, because it also so takes a lot of research. So that's where we kind of that holding pattern we've been in the last years, figuring out different weather patterns and how that impacts our berries. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, they've kind of our clientele has kind of grown with the berry plants. You know, we're 10 years in. They started out little and we didn't have a lot of people coming those first few years. But now, you know, I think we have over six thousand likes on Facebook, you know, so we have a good following and our berries are there and they're growing. So right now it's just continuing to be really good at what we're doing. Yeah. And then we're always thinking of opportunities, you know, and next steps for our, for our farm to grow, you know, and different job options. Um, but right now we're just like in this holding power of enjoying the fruits of our labor. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned the Facebook page, um, you know, how, we understand the power of social media, but people listening might not, or there might be one person listening that doesn't really understand why, but for a small business using free platforms like Facebook, Instagram, how has that been as a business owner to to utilize those resources and build a community through that? Like if you have have any, you know, I assume there's stories. I mean, I think that has been huge in our ability and other farms, you know, in the community and, and farmers markets and everyone's ability to really get the word out there about what's going on. Because like I said, it's not, um, it's such a fluid and dynamic industry regards to how much crop do you have or what your hours might be that week. Or that I think that having that platform that's so allows you to have that immediate engagement versus print media with the, and even websites that are a little harder to maintain, you can have that immediate exchange with customers so that they can get up-to-date information on what's going on in this ever-changing, you know, environment and industry. So I think it's, it's been critical to our success. We've also gotten tons of support from, you know, things like the department of agritourism and just being in those printed catalogs, you know, they've had the berry trails, which has been 
been huge to just getting the name out there when people are looking at things to do. And we also get support from local newsprint. I mean, I always can, I've always had support from the local Tulsa people or Tulsa kids, all these publications or the Tulsa world publishing every year and really supporting community farming like this. So there really are a lot of marketing resources out there for farms like ourselves if you, if you put the effort out to get on the list and get the support from these different departments without having to have a huge advertising or marketing budget, which most farmers don't have. Right. Yeah. You're building that relationship, right. And consistently, you know, doing great work and, you know, the product speaks for itself, but obviously you've got to tell people that, haven't you? And, you know, having, like you said, the news come out and the publications consistently every year, see that you guys are still doing what you do at a high level and, you know, they, they're not going to publish it if it's trash, are they? Like they clearly publish it for a good reason and you guys are producing good products and that comes from obviously hard work and learning every year. But yeah, it's amazing when, like I said, when you use those free platforms to get out there and, and you mentioned engagement, right? You know, you're speaking directly to that person or the person that's messaging you is like, hey, I'm like, I am the one planting or I am the one doing this. Right. It's not running it up the chain. It's one of two people that are making decisions here and you're speaking directly to that person. Right. I always tell people, I mean, it's really fun for people to know their farmer and know where their food's coming from in this day and age where that's not always the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess obviously, you know, that the, you got picking seasons coming up and you mentioned farms markets as well. Now that people are going out more and is that something that you guys regularly go to? No, I, we, although we strongly support the farmer's market and that concept, but we have really stayed in the, the pick your own realm gotcha. because, and, and for a couple of reasons, I mean, one, like I said, our clientele has grown and customer base has grown along with our, our crop. And, you know, to be honest, we haven't had the need to pick yeah. very often the berries ourselves and take them to market. And there's a whole nother logistics and considerations involved in that, you know, not only more personnel because the season, you know, you would have to be balancing both at the same time, Mm -hmm. but also just finding the labor and people to pick to your standards to get your product to the market. It's a, it's a whole different way to get your product to your customer. And we just haven't gone down that path and we haven't had to at this point because we do get such great support with people picking. Sometimes we do pre-picked berries, but I would say even that, we, we usually are, are almost out of berries, you know, for people to, to have the need to pre-pick them. Yeah, that's really, that's good though. It's a good problem to have, right? It's no, a good problem, you know, right? You have to worry about, like I said, carting all your stuff out to a farmer's market, setting up every Saturday and right. hoping think, that someone pays and it's worth it that day, you know? Yes, I definitely think there's a place for the farmer's market, you know, and a need for it in the communities because it lets it's even smaller farmers than ourselves, you know, take their product right, to a market. But for us, this has been that great balance of people want to come out and have this experience with their families mm-hmm. and pick their own fruit. So it's, it's a win-win in our case for sure. Yeah, It's the best of both worlds, isn't it? Cause you can't go and pick carrots or turnips or whatever it is. Right, right. You can come and have a great time, pick berries and, and be outside. And it, it like I said, it's, it's best of both worlds, isn't it? For sure. So I guess coming up then the end of the year, I know you mentioned obviously like the goal is to, is to, you know, get down the process, focus on, you know, building the best product that you can is, I guess, looking way in the future, um, growing it to, uh, I mean, you know, the partnerships are obviously amazing. So much fun to see your product be in an ice cream locally or be in a brewery or, you know, other things like that. 
is the goal to be in more, to do more of those partnerships and maybe like kind of produce as much product so that you can, um, not, you know, give it to bigger stores and like sustain both. Yeah. 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 I would say at this point, you know, we really don't have a, a vision for that. Our property size one doesn't accommodate it. You know, we have 35 acres, so we're not a large farm, especially when you come to pecans. Yeah. We would have to purchase more, more land and have a different business strategy. So I'd say that, you know, we're comfortable with the size our farm is now and just continuing to maximize what it can bring, you know, to our family and to the table. And we don't really have plans. Yes. Partnerships on a small scale with local mm. restaurants, local bakeries or, or breweries, whatever it might be. Of course, we always welcome those opportunities, but going the more industrial route isn't really the path that we see ourselves. So I think we continue to see ourselves as more of an agritourism outlet yeah. for people um, versus getting into more of the industrial sales. Yeah. I, I mean, it yeah, might change over time, but that's kind of the niche we found at this point. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is like, so a totally different business model and it's, you know, you, you, you're talking robots and machines then, aren't you? And big operations and warehouses and hundreds of acres, not just, you know, like where you're at. And at that level, I'm sure you probably, there's a huge logis- logistical nightmare with bringing other people out onto the farm because then it's a working farm and it's, Right. Like, you don't have to worry about that nonsense. Yeah, we've really enjoyed being in this space that we're in, you know, and really creating a, a business in that agritourism space. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, how has it been, I guess, part of the agro-tourism and, and with Michaela and all the work that she, I know, is helping you guys out do? Like, what has that been like to be a part of that? Sure. They are always so greatly supportive, like I said, with the berry picking, um, with the berry trails that they do and all the resources they provide us, the print resource, but also they, you know, have made a big move towards social media in the last years. And I consistently see them support our farm, you know, and other farms on Instagram and Facebook and really trying to get the word out there as well. So beyond maybe my reach or our farm's reach. And it also helps create, you know, collaboration with the other farms and knowing, you know, they are kind of a link um, to a lot of the, bringing a lot of the farms together. Mm-hmm. So they're, I think it's been a great resource working with them over the last years and, and bringing it together, you know, and also my husband works with OSU extension offices and things like that. When there's questions about different crops and we've also built some network with some of the farmer, other farmers themselves. So yeah. I would say it's not, it's all friendly. I mean, it's not a competition as much right. as we're all in different parts of this, the state and the city. So we also like to share what we learn in that sense we're all working hard towards the same things and so when we have questions about weather impact of different things or how they're working through different issues people reach out or vice versa for sure yeah that's nice to have that friendly like that friendly competition but there's plenty of like customers to go around isn't it it's not like you guys are you know like like i said super competitive with each other in the same markets like even if you are in the same market it's just kind of that's probably an oklahoma thing too isn't it it's just like we're all in this together we want to figure this out you know like right and the market isn't so saturated you know with with different yeah blueberries or blackberries now pecans are different right but like i said we're we're catering to just the know your farmer type pecan mm-hmm. customer at this point versus competing with the real industrial pecan growers in oklahoma yeah. Awesome. Um, 
anything else that you want to like plug and push with something any other than obviously growing season coming out, picking season coming up? Is there anything else that you want to tell everybody listening? Best place to find you guys, something like that? Yeah, the best place to find us, like I said, is at our website, which is indicottfarms.com. E-N-D-I-C-O-T-T farms.com. I'm sure you'll add it to the show notes, et cetera. Um, Or our Facebook or Instagram pages, Indicott Farms OK or Indicott Farms on Facebook. But those are the two best way to get a hold of us. Come visit the farm. It's a great family experience and a great way to get fresh produce from Oklahoma. Awesome. And uh, if you need it, your trees taken care of in the area, obviously your husband. Oh yes, obviously too. But it's been a, um, yeah, it's been a hard year for farmers. I know in in Oklahoma with all the weather we've had, you know, including ourselves. So just get out and support them where you can for sure. Awesome. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your story. Uh, Love it. Really appreciate it. Hopefully I get to swing by, uh, you know, even if I'm up there, I'll just pop in and just say hello or find out where I can get those, those, that bakery and and get some of the, some of the good stuff and the ice cream and the beer too. That sounds, sounds really good. Um, but for everyone listening, I'll post the links Bess just mentioned in the description. So you can go straight to the Instagram, Facebook page and the website and yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism uh, for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.